Welcome to The Root. I'm your host, Grant Eagleson. On this week's episode, I talk with drummer and producer Stephen McArdle on the Baja Men, Gas Explosions, Tony Williams, and why you should play what you like. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Aside from maybe Stevie Wonder, this week's guest was number one on my list. We've got a long musical history together, and his musical brain never ceases to amaze and surprise me. His skills are numerous, he creates in so many different ways, and he's always working on a wide range of projects. But for me, first and foremost, he's an absolute killer on the drums and of the cymbals. Please welcome this week's guest and our first guest on the route, Stephen DeGarl. Hey, thank you for having me. This is great. Looking forward this to is it. Great. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, just started off. So what is your first musical memory? If you can flash back however far back your brain goes, what is your first musical memory? I actually don't know. That's that's always such a funny question when people are like, what's your first memory? It's like, how do you know it's your first? Yeah. Um, or anything. I'm not, I could just tell you like a few early ones. Um, of I don't know. I remember my first favorite song um, was was a love supreme. No, I'm kidding. Um, it was it was Who Let the Dogs Out. I was obsessed with that song. Oh, yeah. No, that's a great uh, record. I will as a child. Um, but yeah. also, I don't know. Like, I remember for some reason, I remember with that that Beatles one compilation came oh, out. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That was playing in my house, so I heard a lot of those songs for the first time, like pretty early on. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, which is great, and then just like kids' music, you know. Yeah, of course. Stuff, stuff that's catered to people that age, and it was yeah. not, you know, it wasn't. I wasn't diving super deep. Yeah, I guess. I guess too. Going with the, I know the Beatles one you mentioned. Um, what what was on a loop at your house? Like, what do you remember? Parents being into or just just being kind of a background music. I don't know. We weren't always really like playing music out much in the house, but when we, it was kind of all over the place when, when it was, I don't know. My dad has like a pretty wide ranging taste. Um, yeah. And he like, when, when we first got a record player in the house, um, I was able to like explore all that kind of stuff. So I was hearing sure, like yeah. all the, all the classic rock stuff. Um, so a lot of fusion stuff too. I was, right. and I was like first exposed to, I was hearing like Donald bird, chick Corea, um and then like of course like yes the band yes yeah i heard a lot of so that and that you know love all that stuff still um and then you know from my mom you know it was it was she was always trying to find newer stuff to listen to so it was more um just stuff that was coming out i remember those there was a while where like jack johnson was playing a lot oh yeah um so that that was in the house um things like that pretty fortunate that it was like pretty wide-ranging in genres yeah that's great time um, Check that. Okay. Nice. What was the first music you remember buying with your own money? I know we're kind of past the record generation, but CD, iTunes, all that. Oh, it was, it was CDs. I got three in the same day. Um, well, first, first I have to, I have to mention the first two CDs I owned, just because I, they're great. Was I got the full album of Who Let the Dogs Out and the Shrek soundtrack for Christmas when I was, <laughs> when I was before yeah. I was able to buy my own stuff, and of course, of course. that set the foundation for everything after. Did um, did the Baja Men have any other? What, what were the other hits on that record? Oh, it's it's all the way through. All there's no filler. <laughs> whole thing. It's like songs in the key of life, but the Baja Men. Uh, songs of the key of life, but probably better. I'd say. <laughs> all right. Uh, who was that? So, so so when I was actually able to like buy some CDs, I'd like, I guess I had some gift cards to Borders when I was maybe like ten. So I got yeah. three that day. Um. Shout out Borders. Rest in yeah. peace. Rest in peace. 
Um, so I got I got Green Day International Super Hits. Um, yep. I was already a fan of the band, so I just was like going backwards. I got Yellow Card, Ocean Avenue, because uh, wow. that one song of theirs was on SSX3, so I like had to hear more. <laughs> it was so yeah. sick. Um, and then the third one, Weezer, Make Believe. I apologize okay, to everyone yeah. who likes Weezer and hates that album, but I didn't know any but better. That's, that's it. They would do such cool things in that game in particular, too. Like When you're in the air, they would like put all these filters and phasers on it, depending on like the tricks you're doing. <laughs> like that game in particular was really cool with the music i don't know how they got the artists and the labels to agree to let them mess with it they like probably that. didn't it was early it was early enough they probably just didn't <laughs> who knows um yeah i guess also were there any musicians in the family anyone not immediate family but just uh people around growing up that were performing playing just oh hey i see a guitar on the wall and like that. um oh there was a little bit on on both sides um on my mother's side, my grandfather played accordion like his whole life. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I get to see and hear him play. And that was that was great. Yeah. And then on my father's side, um, him and his siblings and like, you know, their kids, my generation, like were into like Irish, traditional Irish dancing for a while. Okay. So like, I was able to get, you know, yeah, some some experience, like closely hearing and playing and performing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice being around it too, like because everyone, everyone's always consuming music, but not everyone's producing it. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it's to see that being made. Oh, there's actually a person involved who does this. Like that's right. There's a human element to it. Um, who was your first? Whether it's you know elementary elementary music or, or beyond that, like your first musical mentor, or someone who was like, oh hey, you you uh, let me show you this thing. Let me come aside and show you this thing on the piano, or, or you know, putting a little extra time into it. I don't know. That's. Well, it can be, it can be a mix of people. There might not be one, I guess. There was, there was. I don't think there was like an individual, individual person, like in particular, that was really like central. I was spending that much time with that was like, you know, there'd be, there'd be every once in a while, like someone would come, come to me and like show me something, but it wasn't, yeah. there wasn't so much like a very continuous, um, one person like really trying to guide me somewhere, especially yeah. or and especially that wasn't like. I don't know, you know, be, when when that was happening, it was like someone trying to get me to, to like, you need to check this out. And I'm like, I'm not really interested <laughs> in that or trying yeah. to. And they're like, no, but you but you should. And yeah. Then, you know, I, I would do it. And, it, you know, most of the time it'd be yeah. very helpful. Like, you know, I I, I mean, my high school band teacher would, you know, he, he'd put in some extra time with me because he was he was a yeah. drummer. So he would he would he'd show me a lot of stuff that like, you know, if, if he wasn't my teacher at the time, I'd definitely wouldn't have ever yeah gotten exposed to. he showed yeah. me the art of bop drumming john riley okay oh yeah and like he got me going on like de la Cruz snare drum solos like yeah. probably way earlier than they had any right to be on them yeah i think um, i think educators i mean speaking from my own experience just get super excited about like anyone with any aptitude so it's like i'm gonna throw all the stuff at you and you're young so you might not you might hate half of it you might not absorb any of it but just like um, give it them what you would have wanted probably yeah so with that being said, after around that age as you're growing up, uh, I know we covered the Baja man, <laughs> but your some of your favorites from like 13 to 18, any memorable concerts too? I know that's the age when you start going out seeing stuff in those years. Yeah, let me think. I don't know that I did like a complete just like reversal of my tastes during that time. Yeah. So you say 13 to 18. I when I was 13, I was just like only listening to like guitar music. Yeah. Like rock bands, a lot of 
I was I was kind of like leaving like when I was just listening to like older stuff and and I was listening to all like pop punk music, all the Warped Tour bands and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and this, this is like still thirteen, so I was like, I don't know, bands like Four Year Strong was like so so big to me <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then you know, I ended up seeing a lot of those bands. It was all super memorable. Like yeah, it was a lot of fun. I spent a lot of time learning that music and and yeah. It was, it was great i don't you know some a lot of it I, I won't i won't name bands in particular but a lot of it i revisit now and like yeah I, I i don't i don't get it some of it i revisit and i still do this bands like like title fight who i got into maybe a little later who like really holds yeah. up i think that's great stuff but some of it is is yeah i, I don't know I think and then so like you, you kind of remember the way it made you feel too like like oh regardless of whether that might not form any of my identity now but it's like oh hey, that was that was that that made me feel something and that's something i then transferred to someone else eventually later you know yeah yeah these so many of these silly bands like it was just everything to me at the time yeah um and, which is and, a little funny now but like you know it's it's still valid and then <laughs> you know we're in silly band <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and then when i was like i don't know early high school um I, it's just like I, I got into a whole other area of stuff. I remember I had this drumming magazine I was getting, and there was an interview with uh, Questlove in it. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know who he was, but like I remember yeah. reading the interview and just feeling like, like how how does this person like know so much? And like I really yeah. like the way he was describing like the music he played in his band. I was like, this is too intriguing not to check out. So yeah, um, I checked out the Roots. Uh, he said the name of the show. Oh. And, oh, and so, so like, you know, I, 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 it was, that was like when How I Got Over came out, which, you know, it, it's, that's, that's a, that was a huge album for me because it was like the first, not the first, it was, it was, it was one of the first like hip hop albums I dived into like super that's, seriously. That's I wouldn't even say it's my favorite, on. but yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not even my favorite by them, but it was like, it was huge because then from yeah. there I just went through like, I became just obsessed with like nineties hip hop and everything yeah. to the, through the current years too. Like, you know, that's, that's how I was like interested in when, when like good kid, mad city came out and I, I just became like obsessed with that music like yeah. from there on out. And I still, you know, I kept up with like other rock bands and guitar bands. Like I remember that was like before like modern baseball came out and I ended up being like super into them for a while oh, yeah. and all those other bands in that scene but like at the same time i was like obsessed with kendrick i was obsessed with um like illmatic you know it's like these these are like pretty bread and butter albums but like no, no, but, i was i was yeah. just learning about it at the time and like by the time i was 18 i was like deep in it and yeah. another huge thing to me i have to mention this because it's just so important 2012 yeah. channel orange came out oh yeah <laughs> like, it still sounds like teacher music like it's yeah, I don't. I don't think I need to explain why. No, it's, yeah, it's front to back, just just perfect. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that was a good year. That was a good year. You know, I was already checking out hip hop and and stuff like. Yeah. But that that it was just such a perfect album. Like I can't yeah. not mention that. Um, yeah. So that was where I was. Yeah, just like the end of my teens. It was. Yeah. And that was basically that was when I started like producing. I was like eighteen or nineteen, so like yeah. that whole transition was very important. Yeah, check that. I guess you know, I didn't mention Questlove, but who was the person that kind of 
kind of woke you up to what you could do with your instrument, whether that's someone close to you or, you know, somebody you're listening to at the time that just like, oh, we're doing the same thing and I, I can be that or I want to be that. I, I It was pretty just gradual. Okay. I wouldn't say there was any like one person I heard that was you know like so yeah. so important to me like taking yeah, it seriously too. you know six it was of I mean, dating someone. yeah and it was it was always like just like the music itself i wasn't especially like the first like few years i wasn't trying to be any one drummer i was just trying to be involved in music because that was like what i loved that's healthy yeah um, i mean you know what i when i got older and i was like studying it like yeah. as a young adult like I, w- I would get into things where i'm like i gotta sound like this person and i gotta sound like this person and get all these licks but when i was starting i was just like i want to play these songs i like and that was it yeah for the listeners there's tony williams on your wall over there so he's probably on that list somewhere yeah yeah when i was yeah th- there was a point where that was one of those people i was like i i gotta get all of that in my playing oh yeah um man. and may- maybe in you know couple dozen years that'll happen oh yeah <laughs> we're on it um so because of that what's your first experience really feeling like you were getting serious with music like what what clicked or what any was just like all right i'm gonna buckle down and this is this is it flipping the switch i mean it was, it was honestly pretty early like obviously i wasn't good then but like i was i was still in middle school when i was like trying to play at least you know a couple hours a day whether or not that was like logistically possible, like that was what I was trying to be doing. And yeah. so, you know, I, you know, I was, it shows, yeah. you know, I, I hadn't, I hadn't checked out like a lot of stuff that I think is like um, foundational to me now, but like I was, I was taking it very seriously and trying to play as much as I could. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, then that was, I, I kind of was just obsessed with it from that point on. Like, so yeah. And then and, and there's those times where I like when I got older, I would like learn something and I'd be like, oh, this is where I'm like really starting now. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> there'd, there'd be like other recurring moments where I, where I think like, oh, sh-, like I didn't realize yeah. like this is what it took. And then I would feel like I was starting. <laughs> but like looking back, you know, I was I was like kind of all in pretty, yeah. pretty early on. That's great. And that, that, that's and whether or not, you know, I, I, I don't I wasn't. I, I see videos of myself from then and um it's it's yeah. it's it's good to see how how much better i sound but like yeah not, i'm not saying i, I was happens. good then. I was every five years you know you hit a plateau and you're like oh man i i, I did it i'm here and then something happens and you're like nope <laughs> start over it's it's yeah. it's cyclical it's not yeah nothing wrong with that um i guess even during um you know i know for a lot of people too in, in music school whether it's conservatory style or if they're just creating out, out in the world somewhere, some of the music, the music you're studying can be different than the music you're consuming. Did you find that to be true a lot? A hundred percent. Like yeah. it was because I first got to a program where um, I was studying, like I ended up studying classical percussion in school. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was, that was something I like love to play, but, and I, but I, I remember showing up and like, you know, I, I always wanted to be a drum set player. Yeah. Um, but I showed up to school and like within a month, people are like, oh, so you you're going to be an orchestral percussionist. Like, that's what you want. And I'm like, no, it's no, it's not like at all. I have yeah. almost no interest in that. And then they're like, oh, but that's that's what you're going to do. That's what you're gonna do yeah. uh, 
and it was it was just like it was really strange yeah um, but and and of course at the time like that was i was obsessed with hip-hop music uh yeah. i was still listening to like some of those bands i really liked i was starting to explore electronic music and of course i was into jazz i like yeah i was i was like trying to learn that on the side too um loved a lot of fusion music but yeah it was so i was i was being like taught a lot of one thing when i was yeah a lot into like five other things yeah Um, and not that not yeah there was a lot of value to be learned from that especially like being a percussionist like all all the repertoire is like a hundred years old so like you're still learning a lot of really cool messed up weird things that if you know if i was studying violin like just you know would not have been possible yeah might not yeah it's tough too because it's like you know to yourself you know there's an extent of which like yeah i gotta i gotta eat my vegetables here i gotta do this stuff but then there's definitely yourself aware enough where you know that man this isn't you know there's i feel like i'm missing out on something or at least i'm gonna i'm gonna create to fill some gaps in but i think that makes it more interesting too because there are there's some people that uh don't have that yeah no just just that your question very much resonates with with how i was especially like when my first couple years in school before i really like made a point of like making sure that like i had a space to like work on what i wanted to which was playing the drum set Um, yeah like i really had to like advocate to be able to spend more time on that in school which is kind of messed up like it should have been something that was easier to to get to be able to happen yeah but i had to like push to even just get a teacher for that like pretty hard i remember that yeah um it's it's tough too as an educator too like i think there's a point where the where the taste of the student or the you know especially at that age when like you're soaking soaking up so much stuff and like so driven like stuff you're chasing you know it's almost they're trying to slow you down a bit and say hey like to do that you need this Uh and this thing i'm feeding you is you might hate it and like (laughs) especially when you got 10 other kids in your studio playing the same thing and you want to go create it's it's it's, it's weird it's, yeah. it's a there's a strange dichotomy for sure. but i was almost like is i don't even know if i had people really saying that as much because like you know if, if there was something i want to do like on marimba that was like ridiculous they're just like oh yeah you just got to spend like it's like yeah you could do it you just got to spend two months not talking to anyone playing it at 1 bpm <laughs> whereas like which is like so kind of anything was accessible if you had the time for it but like on drum set it was a little different where it's like if you want to sound good you got to spend two weeks by yourself practicing only on the ride cymbal like one limb like along with records just like all day um and like you know i I didn't at that point i was just like so thirsty just to be focusing on that instrument that like it was fine um i guess you know there's kind of the cultural understanding of the the ten thousand hours in the mass or something however you want to phrase it but um yeah. was that was that college time was that your ten thousand hours do you feel like i don't know there was there was there's been a couple of times i actually tried to calculate it like where i might have <laughs> hit that and yeah i don't know i never really like i, I don't know i don't know when when i hit that yeah or, or if I, I mean i'm sure i have at this point um, yeah but i think too just the but, idea of probably between the ages of 18 to 22 whenever or 25 whatever whatever it was or even some, for some people it's you know 12 to 15 but when you're just like kind of in the zone, especially as musicians, where it's like uh, whether whether you're around the right people or you know listening to the right stuff, or just like it's gonna happen at some point. But was was that was that conscious? Was that conscious of you? Did you feel like you were in it? Or do you feel like you're still in it? 
in what just like um just like a high intensity practice yeah zone and i yeah. mean i was i was in it you know when i was doing like percussion which like i basically don't anymore um yeah i was i was in it in a like almost unhealthy way because you kind of have to be yeah um, it's... <laughs> yeah and you know it was it was probably you know any musical practice is going to help you on whatever instrument so i'm not like lamenting that i spent that much time on that yeah um but that that what you know it's when you're in school it's like you kind of have to be doing it to an unhealthy degree yeah um and you know as you're older you know you don't necessarily have to be going eight hours a day because you've developed better routines and better methods of bettering yeah, yourself so I'm not, I'm not really i'm not really in that anymore and like it's also just not even possible like when you're an adult and you have you're, these you're other responsibilities <laughs> and yeah you're doing what you've actually worked on. We're like you're, yeah, you're, you're reaping the yeah. benefits of hopefully having already done that. Of course, yeah. Well, or, well, or you no. just like, you got things to do that that aren't that. <laughs> yeah. Or you have to travel um, an hour to your practice space. You know, there's there's so many reasons why. Yeah. Um, I know it's very easy for musicians, especially, to talk about, you know, conceptually music. But what was just like the craft itself? What was your day like in that super intense practice period? Like, 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 you know, 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. What, what is that day like? I don't know. Like on a, I guess a, a good day. Yeah. For practicing, you know, yeah. maybe get up, get like an hour or so in before whatever class was happening. Go get some time after that. It's just, you know, in between classes and then, yeah. you know, going, leaving the building to go home at like, at least like 10 or something. And there's other responsibilities, obviously, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I was bad at logging it. So I don't have like an old planner to dig through. I, these diaries coming out. No, I mean, you know, you, you, you kind of like were there for, especially yeah. when I was like really doing it on the drum set, like just any, any moment, especially with things being so convenient, like you had to be in that building anyway. Um, yeah. that like you might as well have just taken that free half hour and just gotten some shedding and, like combined with all the other free hours and half hours of the day, you know. Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot to go. I think the discipline too is something, you know, almost learning how to practice is as important as the practice itself. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I, you know, you could get. I wasted so much time. Yeah. Yeah, but you, you know, I, like sometimes when you do have like a a limit to your time, you could get more done in. You know, this is like a cliche. It's like a meme at this yeah. point, but you can get more done in an hour than you can in four if you're doing the right things so you have like a specific goal obviously of course yeah um i don't know there's you know i don't i don't not that there's anything wrong with practicing just like so much but you know you don't yeah you don't need to like glamorize it if it's not the right thing always because it's not always sometimes yeah. you're doing it for the wrong reasons and sometimes it's great some you know I'll, I'll be in periods you know even even at my current age where i'm like we all practice a ton for a while, especially, you know, like during 2020 and 2021, I was actually putting in a lot of hours then too. Yeah. Um, so, and that was, that was in a less, that was, that was in a much better way. I think Yeah. I was, you know, I was doing good work and it was, it was, it was feeling better about it. Nice. Your practice feels so good. And I, I find almost like not instant, but within two weeks, it was like, Oh, the thing I worked on really paid off because I know how to work on it. Yeah. And that's yeah. the, it, it takes a while because when you first start learning, that happens like every day. 
because you learn what a paradiddle is and that's like whoa, <laughs> whoa. and then you you know you do a flam and that's also huge yeah. and then you're just like chipping away at things but then when you really get like efficient about it that's also cool i've had that person with guitar last like two or three years it was just like every week i'm just like oh man i am a thousand times the player i was before because i learned like a group by voice like not anything crazy just literally the most simple thing but it's yeah it's online it's hilarious but is it, what percentage would you say of those skills were developed alone in that practice room versus through like collaboration um like if you look at where you are now what what I've percent got, do you think you owe to yourself and what do you owe to ensemble work or are you just being with others not even there's there's a lot that you can't do without either um, yeah in my in my opinion you sure. know there's i feel like i've I don't know. I'm sure there's some interview where Buddy Rich is like, I never practiced once in my life. I just got on the bandstand as a baby and that was good. But we could cut that line. Um, <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's things you can't get without either. So, um, And I don't know, like early on, a lot of my practice was playing with records and I consider that like extremely important. I'm really glad that like when I was the first maybe four years I was playing the drums um i didn't have you know i was you know i obviously like had you know i knew the rudiments and i was practicing those i had some time on the pad and all that but like most of my time behind the drums was just playing with records yeah. um i think that's like really important just to like one be learning music and like how songs work and how drum parts are orchestrated and then just yeah. like having the experience of playing in time with like professionals um but i mean obviously there's not nothing will compare to playing with people that's that's just like so important no this this has been so many ensembles that in groups i played with that like have just been like instrumental to me just developing yeah um it's yeah no, it's it's extremely important there's there's so many things you'll never know until you are in a room with people trying to make music sound good yeah <laughs> I, I don't have pers- i don't have numbers or percentages i know what you mean yeah of course but, no it's yeah yeah um i guess talking about the transition between i think it's tough for a lot of people especially those who come from even more theoretical educations which i feel like i did and you probably might too but into okay how do i transition all these skills i've got into being a working professional how was that for you and it's still happening but yeah i mean it was i mean I, i finished school like may 2020 so like yeah that transition was just, <laughs> i mean is this, yeah, it, was, it, it was it was it barely happened basically but i know i mean i was working all through college you know i had i had some gigs here and there and i started teaching when i was still like in in undergrad so i don't know i mean like i'll i'll, I'll credit it to, to my early time playing on the instrument again i feel like my time spent i feel like having spent my early musical years just playing songs and just learning songs by ear and just doing that for hours a day for years that, that made it a lot easier when I was, um, when I, when I was like, I don't know, like one of the, the first like paid regular performing gig I had. Yeah. Um, basically, you know, I, yeah, I had, you know, a bunch of, church gigs a one-off thing trio jazz trio gigs and stuff yeah um 
you know, just where you're just hired to show up with a djembe and play or something. But like when I was first working regularly, like with one band in Jersey, like, um, and we'd play like at least like a few times a month. So it wasn't, you know, we weren't touring. Um, yeah. But I was, I got the gig the night before and it was just like, I was told like, okay, so there's two gigs tomorrow. They're each like three hours. Here's like a bunch yep. of tunes. <laughs> and I was like, well, I obviously can't learn them, but like, you know, I was able to just show up and sit down and like, um, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty seamless just because I feel like fortunate to have had the chance to just explore what I wanted to and have a lot of experience with like pop music. And I'll say pop music, like, as in music that's not taught in schools like because there was this yeah. was like primarily like a funk r&b bands that you know was also like also stretching over the songs and taking solos yeah, just pop, and even though like i was yeah i was i was like you know learning rock songs when i was younger like all a lot of that still applied obviously like the grooves and the feels don't but of course yeah um yeah so you know i just like the stuff i was learning in school would not have prepared me for that Especially when I was learning percussion, I would have been, it, it would not have gone well. I wouldn't have even gotten the gig, like, because the person who yeah, heard me yeah, hired me for it wouldn't have, obviously that wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, like, in, in a playing way, like, you know, showing up to a gig and getting the music done. Yeah. That was, that, that part's easy, but it's the, the part that's really difficult, obviously, is like, you know, getting the gigs. Yeah. Um, the logistical parts of that um, coming out of school, obviously. Yeah. You know, it depends. It depends if on a lot of things. Um, depends on what kind of network your school has that survives into whatever scene you're trying to be in. Depends on how close you go to school to where you want to be working is. Yeah. Um, and then also depends how much your school teaches you about what it's really like to be out there because there's some teachers that just say yeah you get like this certain degree you're just going to be a college professor and you're set for life and then there's the ones that tell you like what it actually is uh i mean we you know we had someone like doug telling us that um the guitar teacher at our school i remember shout out doug mayer yeah shout out doug mayer um and then like you know when i was at rutgers victor lewis was like you know people like him i mean even our, my other drum teacher there robbie amin like they were very serious about like you got to be able to do like all these kinds of things um yeah was all, and just like the re, just like the economic reality of it yeah um there's there's so many factors that go into it i mean you know i'm still working and i'm i'm I, f I feel like since i got out of school obviously um 2020 2021 were kind of slow but i'm pretty busy right now just like with musical work yeah um it's sometimes you just gotta like power through it too and you gotta you know do do other things obviously to make money in yeah. the meantime um yeah make some sacrifices this probably applies to a lot of working musicians is how do you balance uh things that feel like work and things that feel like creating uh, whether that's projects for yourself or anything you're involved in where you're like, this is a, this is a creative endeavor for me. This is something I enjoy versus, oh, hey, this is a cool thing I do, but this is pay the bills. And how do you how do you kind of avoid burnout? How do you balance the two? I don't know if I have an answer for that because I'm not really, you know, 
I'm not saying no to much right now, yeah. gig wise. Okay. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm taking whatever I could get. So I'm not really in a place where it's, it's, I'm balancing. I'm just doing everything I can of yeah. what I like want to do creatively. And then when a gig comes, comes along, I'm taking it and whatever, whatever time that takes, you know, that's what it is because I've got bills to yeah. pay and stuff. Um, course, yeah. But, you know, I'll also say just because like, you know, I, I really enjoy a lot of the work I'm doing now. Like um, yeah. right now, you know, like a, a job I've had this month was like recording drums for two albums. And that's been just like so much fun. I love recording. Oh, of course, the music's of a lot of fun to play. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not especially like, you know, if, if the people I'm working with, like, see this, like I'm I, I love <laughs> I love working with them. Like that's that's not it. But you know, sometimes sometimes there are gigs that like can be a drag. But it's it's I'm not I'm not balancing. I'm just taking them just because I need to. But of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like also with with different like with burnout too. Like it helps to have different things you're involved in because you know there'll be times when I'm just like going really hard. I'm just trying to play jazz and going to sessions and playing with people and trying to get gigs. And then, you know, that can get tiring. So, but, you know, and then I'll spend more time just producing. Yeah. Um, and that, that'll that be a break. But I'm still, I'm you know, I'm still playing drums. Just not as much. I'm not going as hard, but I'm going really hard. I'm producing and then it'll shift. And this is like the last year and a half. It's kind of been going in like cycles of a few months with those two things in particular. Yeah. When you, so it sounds like instead for, I guess, burnout wise, you don't, you ever feel you never step away completely you always feel like it's just oh i'm gonna go you know with these peers who are doing this thing or i'm gonna consume a bunch of music that i like or just kind of separate your brain into a couple different parts rather than step away from music yeah i mean i just like let myself be drawn towards what's interesting to me without you know without um letting my skills on one thing like just disintegrate like i'll do you know i'll do the upkeep sure. and the like the incremental practice but i won't you know i'll be yeah. whatever it is i'm most interested in and i'm just going to be going more fully at that for whatever for however long i'm being drawn to it and once i stop being drawn to it and i'm drawn towards something else i'm just going towards that of course yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to force something for months when it's just not happening yeah it's like growth versus maintenance and, and it's good that you know yeah. well enough hey I, I know what I, I know what i need to to take care of this but right i know what i also want to do Okay, worst gig story. I think you. I think you know this one. What? One time I was <laughs> I was hired okay. by by great pianist Earl McDonald. Shout out Earl. Um, to Earl. do a trio gig with him and my good friends Nate Giordano. Shout out to Nate also at this hotel um, near where we were going to school, and we were setting up. And I was actually thinking about this earlier today because I was on a gig where we were playing Whisper Not again, Benny Golson. And that song's like cursed to me now because we were like talking about what tune to play. And Nate was standing in this like open doorway in this hotel. Um, I'm going to first I have to say the place smelled disgusting. This place, the minute you walked in was just it just reeked. It was terrible. And he was so so he was standing in this doorway and, and we're talking like, oh, what should we start? What should we do? Like whisper not. And Nate's like, yeah, I, that's that's good. And I don't know. On a whim, we just decide like, hey, maybe in front of that doorway is like not the best spot for you. Um. So so he moves over to where we are just like behind this wall. And then a few 
not not even a few minutes later, there's a giant boom and a whole like a big ball of flame comes through that doorway where, where Nate was just standing. Oh. And and I I don't know, it's kind of chaos after that. Like I remember Earl just being like, run, run, run. Cause I was, you know, I was I was a little like in shock. I was just looking yeah, like, right. oh, what, what was that? And he's just like, run, run, run. So we all run out of there. And like, it's us and everyone else in the building, obviously. And they're all like, call 911. So I ended up being the one who did. And like, it was pretty bad though. Like someone had to get helicoptered yeah. out. Luckily everyone survives. Um, yeah. It was a gas explosion. I'm telling this in, yeah. in such a wrong order. Um, it was a gas explosion. That was why it smelled so bad. Yeah, that's right. So that was, that was the worst gig. Yeah. I, yeah it's funny. You know, most people it's like, Oh yeah, I got stiff for twenty bucks by this uh, by this owner, something like that. But yours is I've, no, I've got too many of those gas, for it to I be died yeah. gas explosion. <laughs> right, I w- I could have died if I was three feet over, yeah. or like been permanently favorite. maimed. <laughs> it's one of my favorite questions to ask, but I think that might be the peak answer. I'm thinking we're gonna get a. It's hard to get worse than that. It's very hard to get worse than that. Nice. All right, um, we're going to have a deep dive at some point um, on a lot of your current work. Um, but for the people who don't know out there, can you just drop um, a couple of existing projects of yours, whether that's individually or, or with groups? Yeah, I've got three kind of big ones right now. So um, I've been playing with this band for a few years called Cousin Oven with the just mentioned Nate on bass and sure. Owen Bologna on vocals and guitar. And um you know, Owen did the first two albums completely by himself, and they're fantastic. Um, but this next one, uh, I was Nate and I were lucky enough to get to be able to play on it, and it's coming out August twelfth. It's called Manor Crescent. I cannot wait for it to be out. Um, I just I love playing with that band, so I'm really excited yeah. to have music yeah, out with them. Music. It's yeah, these these songs are so much fun to play, and they're, oh, they're so writing, good. Yeah. And yeah, I know it's this, they're always so interesting, like topically. Um, yeah. That's great. August twelfth, um, and then this one I've won. This this is another group I've been playing with since just earlier this year, and it's like free improv electroacoustic music, um, and that sounds really heady and like not fun, but the music is like is it's all super accessible and it's it's I think it's a lot of fun to listen to. Oh, I yeah. think everything we did we've done so far came out great. We have an album coming out August fifth actually um from our first session that we ever had together it was just it just happened that it just was good music so we're putting it out um yeah so i'm I'm really excited about that because that's like a kind of ensemble i've been wanting to play in for a few years um you know i i bring my drum set over there and i hook up the mics and i run it through all my effects it was something i did solo for a long time and just to do it in an ensemble where everyone else is doing the same thing it's just like so much fun that's a dream, yeah. And then, and then I've got this other project called Sasco. It's just a solo project. It's like probably my main like creative outlet. Um, I've got a few albums out with it already, but I got one uh, another one coming soon. Uh, not that you know, I haven't I haven't publicly said anything yet. This is this is actually you're hearing exclusive, it here first. The root exclusive exclusive premiere of an announcement tease. On the hey, first I'll episode take it. I'll take group. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. So that I mean that that'll be this fall. There's definitely something coming out with that project this fall. Um, All right. I'll post the, the first two projects August. as well. 
uh, when I upload August this fifth, August twelfth. That's a good week for you. Um, yeah. Nice. All right. Close it out. Give me your vision of music in five words. Give ten seconds. <laughs> no, take your time. Like, just make what you want. You know, that's just it. Just, just that's that's what music is for. Lovely. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Steve, Sorry. for your time. Thank you for having me. This is this is fun. I feel like I got like too serious because before we started recording, we were just like joking around, and then the minute you press record, I'm just like, oh, it's a different world. Too serious, yeah. Well, my voice drops a couple octaves, and uh, gets real serious. It's <laughs> like right. three oscillations a minute. Three oscillations. <laughs> That's what two octaves below this is. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Steve, for your time. We'll be doing a deep dive in a couple weeks uh, on some of your material, so look out for that. Uh, in the meantime, I'll post links to some of his work uh, in the bio in the uh, description for this episode. Cool. Cool. Yeah. This has been The Room. If you dug the show, please leave questions, comments, and the names of anyone you'd like me to interview at the root underscore pod on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Produced by Grant Eagles. Music by Kobe Nielsen and Grant Nielsen.